Welcome to the podcast, David. Could, could you provide a little bit of back on your history? You know, I know you well, but just for the podcast listeners that maybe don't know you as well as what you're... Well, thanks, Mike. And it, it's great to be here today. I, I appreciate the chance to have this conversation with you. You know, the way I describe my background is I've been at the intersection of CPG and market research for, you know, 30, 35 years now. I've had uh, leadership roles at different market research agencies, uh, some digital agencies. I've led sales transformations and company, company transformations. I've worked for big corporations, startups, uh, venture-backed firms, PE-owned firms. Uh, you know, I like to think I've done a lot of different things that have given me such a great experience uh, throughout my career. And, and now in uh, this stage of my career, I've recently launched David Shanker Consulting, so that I can help firms improve their sales outcomes uh, and the probability that they'll achieve their sales targets. Yeah, that's great. This podcast is around consumer trends. What do you see changing out there? If you see anything in CPG, maybe from the days that you started to now, either inside the industry or externally to the consumers that you find uh, maybe emerging trends? Well, uh, you know, uh, something that just continues to blow my mind is choice continues to increase. So, you know, Mike, if you go back 20 years ago when we worked together, we used to talk about the proliferation of SKUs. And at some point you think that's going to end, but it just doesn't. And, you know, the one that has caught my attention is all the different things they're doing with Oreos now. I mean, when we were kids, you ate an Oreo and it was just one SKU. It came in different sizes, but now you get them in different flavors and different stuffinesses and thin and thick and the proliferation just continues to amaze me that this trend just has not ended. Now, I understand why, right? CPG brands have to reinvent themselves. They have to be relevant. They have to have new, interesting um, things for, uh, their, um, for their consumers. Uh, but at the same time, if you walk down the aisle of a, a grocery store or a superstore, the amount of product is mind-blowing. And I hear more and more comments now that you have more and more different types of people shopping because of COVID, that people are just frustrated and confused. When they go to the store, they want to buy something. They have a good idea of what it is. And then they're presented with 27 variations of that one thing they want to buy. I think the risk here is this trend of continuing to innovate and skew proliferation is just, you know, maybe making it much harder for consumers to actually buy the products they want to buy. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because talking to someone who did, whose business is in store intercepts and they're just starting to get back into it because the stores kind of told them not to come in during COVID. And they are, that's exactly what he said, is that uh, one of the big things they found through more of the, and, and maybe COVID shed a light on this because you have shoppers, maybe if someone can't go into the store because they're high risk, they have someone who's maybe not the typical person going into the store uh, from the family shopping, but that, that, that many categories they're confused on. And I've heard that from several CPG companies that they're trying to look at assortment to eliminate confusion, that they have people, they're watching people in stores and they're standing in front of certain departments for a, a very long time trying to figure out what to do. Well, well l listen, there's, you know, there are reasons why we have, you know, the big Wegman stores and there are reasons why we have the small Trader Joe's stores, right? So each each trip serves a purpose and a mission. 
And when you go on that journey in Wegmans or in Costco, uh, you wanna discover, you wanna find new things and you're willing to spend the amount of time walking up and down, let's say the cereal aisle or the soup aisle at Wegmans. But boy, when you know you want to get, you know, a caramel candy that only can be, that's only sold through Trader Joe's, you're going to pop in and out of there because of the footprint of that store. It's going to be pretty fast. You know, for those who think through it, which we probably overthink it because we've been in this industry for so long, there are solutions. But what I worry about is the average shopper who just, you know, desperate to get in and out because they've got to put something on the table for dinner that night. You know, are we making it harder? Is the industry making it harder for them? Yeah, and then there's the whole uh, paradox of choice, right? You, what they've found is that because even though you have more, uh, you would think because you have more things to choose from when you finally select something, you're probably greater satisfied because it may be more catered to you. And what they're finding out in the research is you, in many cases, you're not. Because if you have maybe 50 things to choose from, you question yourself whether you bought the right one when you get home, you know? So there's this whole paradox that maybe the thing I bought, it didn't satisfy me as much as maybe one of the other 50 or because they had 50 there, I should be more satisfied with this than I really am. You know? So there's that, there's that angle to it. Well, listen, I don't have the data at my fingertips, but it goes something like this. You know, the average shopping cart uh, typically has, you know, I don't know, 30 to 40 of the same items week in and week out. We're creatures of habit. We buy the same butter. We buy the same milk. We buy the same cereal. And to your point, you're absolutely right. My God, if I'm going to go buy a cereal and bring it home, am I going to get it right for my two daughters? Are they going to look at this and say, dad, we don't eat this or, you know, we're not going to try this. And then, you know, I've wasted, you know, five, six, seven bucks on a box of cereal. Yeah, my daughter, uh, we were driving the car one time with one of her friends, and she grew up in Papua New Guinea. And I was just asking her, she was little at the time, she was maybe eight or nine. And I said, hey, uh, you know, she kind of missed Papua New Guinea. And I said, what, 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 what's, what do you miss from Papua New Guinea? And she goes, well, you know what, I really miss the ice cream. And I go, well, I, you know, I never knew Papua New Guinea was, was there something particular about the ice cream there? And she just said, no. And I said, well, why do you miss it? She goes, well, it was just really special. I go, did you have a lot of flavors there? She goes, no, we didn't have, like, there were three flavors. <laughs> there were three flavors of ice cream. And she goes, I go, so why don't you like the ice cream here? She goes, well, you know what? It's like everywhere you can buy it. It, it was like, it was special there because it was a treat mm. and there were only three. And it was like, mm-hmm. a, it was more, and it wasn't everywhere. It was only at stores that had ice cream. And it, it was interesting. She kind of is like, because it's everywhere here and there's so many flavors and it's on every corner. She's like, it's, it's kind of, it's not as special. And it was, I was just, I was like, oh, that's an interesting perspective that we, you know, we kind of beat the fun out of something for because we have it everywhere. You know? Boy, if, if that's not a definition of the United States of America, I don't know what is. What else are you seeing out there? Obviously choice. And I think we're going to have a, a, a large reconciliation with the choice thing. I think COVID kind of showed that they were running out of key products and uh, maybe, and there were things like languishing on the shelf that weren't being bought because of choice, but because of the assortment, but any, what other things are you seeing out there? Well, you know, let's go back to this whole notion of time being a commodity uh, and combine that with, you know, the vast majority of us continuing to work from home while we work our way through the pandemic. Um, the, time management challenges were bad pre-COVID and they've gotten exponentially worse. Um, People don't know when to say when, when you're working from home. The day starts earlier because you're not commuting. The day ends much later because you could always peek in on that extra email or work another 30 minutes on that spreadsheet or that PowerPoint. 
And I've spoken with a lot of friends who are across industries and they are really struggling with this whole time uh, paradigm that has shifted on them and they don't know how to get it under control. You know, I've been working from home for a long time now. Um, even, you know, way back, there was probably, you know, three to four days a month when I was lucky enough to be working from home. And someone gave me a tip. This is probably 10, 15 years ago. And, and I still do this to, to, to this day. Um, in the morning, I have my morning routine, which always involves, involves coffee first, maybe two, uh, something to eat for breakfast. And before I start my day, I literally walk around the block. Mm. And I always have, because that is the separation from David leaving the house and then David going into his office. Instead of walking, you know, the 25 steps from the kitchen to my home office, I walk around the block. Um, I also make it a point during the day to take breaks, get outside, take a breath of fresh air. I heard from a very good friend of mine about uh, 18 months ago, uh, and I'm not quite to where he is, but he does the vast majority of his conference calls walking around his town. Now, if he's hosting the call and has to take copious notes, obviously he doesn't do it. But if he's a participant, he is walking nonstop and he's in great shape because he's been walking for a year and a half and it's really worked for him. Um, so I take breaks during the day. Um, I purposely, and, and I'm lucky enough where I live, I can walk into our downtown area. I'll, I'll walk to Starbucks and grab a coffee because uh, you may see someone on the way. Uh, and then at night, I try to do the same thing. I'm not as good about getting out of the house at night, but I, I, I literally make it a habit to put, close the laptop, right? That's a really great way not to extend the day. Turn your laptop off. Don't yeah. let it sit there on, right? And just don't close the lid and put it in sleep mode. I mean, sleep mode, I mean, really power it down. And I've given those suggestions to a lot of people and they tell me that it's been helpful because this time thing has just gotten out of control for them. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I hear the same thing from people that there's two things that I've heard is that people are scheduling meetings at off hours because they assume everyone's home and available, that, that everyone's available because of COVID, they're available, that you're not disturbing a little league game, you're not disturbing people's personal life because they're all home. That's one. And then two, the idea that you're always available. So yeah. people feel, I think, a little bit more freedom to invade into personal hours on a calendar. And then the immediacy that you're going to be at a desk all the time <laughs> and you're going to be available. Like, hey, it's COVID. You got to be, you got to be near your phone, right? Where are you? Because what, what else would you be doing? And uh, so those, those two things I've heard from people that make, make the, can make the day very long. You know, one of the little tricks I've used to avoid that is um, I use Calendly to um, do all of my scheduling for my appointments. And when you use that platform, you can, um, you know, gray out, let's say from six o'clock till, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, you could start your day at whatever time you want to start, 7.38, 9, whatever. You could build in a one hour break. Um, and it's a great way for people who actually are nice enough to use that platform to get on your calendar um, for you to control the calendar. So it can't be overextended because it only shows you available time slots. Yeah, that is great. I've, I haven't used that, but, and I didn't use it for this meeting. I'm sorry, because we had to set up the Zoom, but, <laughs> yeah. and I've even noticed it with some people saying, hey, set something up on my calendar. And it really limits even the time duration. Pretty yeah. much a 30 minute or a 60 minute meeting. Yeah. And, so, and if I don't want to offer 60 minute meetings, I just 
unclick that box and all you can do is schedule a 30 with me. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, uh, yeah, that's, that's great, right? Tendency on, on calls is the time will fill. You know, you set up 60 minutes, there's almost this obligation to go to 60 minutes. It's like, that's crazy, you know? So uh, that is great about Calendry. What else, what else are you seeing out there? Well, th- this one um, is directly related to COVID and, um, you know, it may, may be obvious, but it's worth this. You know, there's a lot of people who are no longer working, uh, who were working before March of 2020. And, um, you know, you can't ignore that, right? Because, you know, when it's a family or friends or a colleague, um, you know, you know, and, and, you know, um, it it hurts to to see people in those positions. Yeah. Um, You know, so what I try to do, because others have been kind to me when, you know, I've been through those transitions is take every single one of their calls, do every single one of their Zooms and, you know, always offer them up some pieces of advice, maybe a handful of new connections um, and then let them know this, which I think is the most very important part of the conversation I have with these folks. Um, And it was because someone, again, did it for me many, many years ago. Um, You cannot stay optimistic throughout a job search 100% of the time. You are going to have bad hours, bad days, bad weeks. And what I tell every single person who reaches out to me is, please call me if you have no one else to vent to when you're having one of those bad days. Because you need someone. People need people to talk to. And when things are bad, boy, you got to have someone that you can just vent and that person's just going to listen and just be there to support and, you know, I hate to say it, I've taken, you know, way too many of those type of calls uh, than I had hoped, um, but I understand it because so many people are looking for new roles and so many people have been so negatively affected from a professional perspective because of COVID. But to me, Mike, you know, that one just, you know, it just makes, it, it hurts and it makes me feel bad that so many people are struggling with this. So, you know, the best thing we can do is support them uh, any way we can. It's great you, that you do that. I do that too. Definitely helping people as much as I can find different roles, but the whole, uh, hey, call me when things are, are seeing a little dark. I probably should offer that up more to people than I do because that is, this This one's a little bit different, David, right? I mean, one, I know we're the whole thing of, you know, these are un, uh, unprecedented circumstances, you know, all those phrases, but this one is different. I mean, the, the recession in 2009, but kind of everyone felt that there was going to be an a light at the end of the tunnel. This one's been a little bit different in that how we're going to be coming out of this and, and what comes back as an industry is a little bit more murky. You know, are we going to be coming back to movies and, and doing different things? Like, are we, you know, it'll be a Well, lot. did you just, did you see the announcement earlier today from Warner Brothers? They, 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 they finally made the decision, and I think they're the first studio to do that, that they are going to release their new movies that typically would have only gone into the movie theaters, they're going to release same day movie theater and on streaming services. That's a first. Yeah. And, you know, think about the implication then to movie theaters, right? So what did we watch over the last six months? Uh, I know we watched Mulan as a family that was supposed to have gone out in the theaters, but they needed to release. So they released it on streaming and I'm forgetting the name of the other one that we watched, but there were at least two. And you know, now that, you know, many of us are lucky enough to have, you know, pretty cool uh, home theater systems, be it large flat screen, surround sound, you know, whatever you've done for yourself, it's a viable option. It's a little scary as to what will come back and what won't come back. I mean, I think restaurants will come back, but, and even some cities, I don't know if, 
you know, I don't live too far from New York City, and, and I have friends who live in New York City. There, there are some not so good things happening there. You know, it's, it's a little bit different than probably the last, it's a lot different than the last time you and I were in New York City as for either business or pleasure. It's, it's changed a lot, and uh, uh, it's, that's going to take a long time to come back. Uh, you know, it'll come back. There's Broadway. Everything will come back. But it's, uh, it's a lot of people, a lot of people leaving. It, it, it'll, it'll come back. It'll be different, but it'll be good in its own way. That's, that's yeah. how I think about it, right? So, yeah. you know, real estate's going to be, commercial real estate's going to be affected, but that'll come back in a different way. Residential real estate's going to be affected, but that'll come back in a different way. I mean, the best example there is, you know, we certainly have read about the exodus of people wanting to leave Manhattan and find homes in the suburbs because of what's going on. My daughter is 20 years old. She's a sophomore at Syracuse. And in her mind, I'm gonna live in Manhattan as soon yeah. as I graduate from college and I'm gonna get a job and I'm gonna work there. So, you know, generationally, you know, you're still gonna have people who are gonna to wanna to experience living in a big city and all that the city has to offer, even though it'll be different than what was offered five years ago, one year ago, 10 years ago, but that's life, right? Everything is cyclical, it will change and it'll come back. It'll just look and feel different. Yeah, I think it will be a great, um, my kids are in that same age bracket and they're thinking the same thing, that it could be a very affordable city and a fun mm -hmm. city to, to live in for, because, you know, prior to that, it really wasn't affordable for someone in their early, young, you know, early 20s. So, yeah. Yeah, but, they had, a, they moved to Brooklyn or Queens. Maybe they'll be able to afford Manhattan out of college now. Who knows? Yeah, right. Yeah. What, anything else you're seeing out there, David, as far as things you're seeing from a trend standpoint? You know, the other thing that I think I'm seeing, or I should say I, I, I know I'm seeing, is this whole notion of um, people, um, you know, sort of immersing themselves in new activities. So I was um, socially distancing on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving at our friend's house in town outside on their porch, just two couples. It was the four of us and we were, you know, more than six feet apart. Uh, and we had the heaters and we had, you know, blankets and, you know, we were drinking hot toddies and we were just catching up. These are just friends that we've known for, you know, the last 11 years that we've lived here. And, um, she was talking and, and she's, she's, she's a professional. She has this fantastic job uh, that used to be in Manhattan. She used to commute and now she's working from home. She's taken up painting. Mm. And I heard from someone else that I know who's taken up uh, woodworking. He has decided that he wants to start making things. He has a job. He's working his 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but you know, there's nothing else to do on weekends. No one's going out to dinner. No one's going to sporting events. If you have a kid who plays sports in high school, you're not going to that. Yeah. So there's all this time to be filled. So the other thing I'm seeing is people are starting to immerse themselves in activities that maybe in the back of their mind they wanted to try, maybe it was front of their mind, but now they have the time uh, to go try it and do something different. And I, I kind of think that's, that, that's really neat. That is, I've heard the same thing. Strangely enough, with, with not that much going on, you know, NFL viewership is, is down. And you would think it'd be a fairly captive audience, but it's not. It, there's, the viewership is down. Not huge, but it's down. And they've done some research on it, and people are they're looking at it and saying, why aren't more people watching football? Or, you know, it's actually down. You think it'd be at least stable or a little bit greater, given that there's nothing else going on. From, you know, there's no high school football limited college, you know, just as an activity. The answer these people are coming back with is people are doing other things. Mm, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, just like you said, they go, what other things? It's like, 
other things. They're, they're walking, they're taking up hobbies, they're doing woodwork, you know, like just like you described, like people are finding other things to do and exploring different interests that maybe they uh, always had in the back of their mind. And, and they finally said, oh, I'm going to do this. I can't go anywhere. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to try something. If you're working from your home five days a week, do you really want to stay inside your home that six day a week to watch two football games? Right. Or yeah. do you want to get out and experience and do something different? I think that's along the lines of what you're saying. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what's happening. Right. People are like, I've been in here too long. Uh, I like football, but I'm going to get out with nature or I'm going to, I'm going to do something different and I'm yeah. not going to. Yeah. So that, that is an, that's an interesting phenomenon, but it'll be interesting to see what happens after this. You know, you take a look at, you no, know, we, we can't compare the two, but like after the, plague in Europe, you know, there was this tremendous renaissance afterwards because mm -hmm. uh, there was this, well, a couple factors. I mean, one was, I think there was a factor that there wasn't a real understanding of what happened to that, what, what, what that was all about. So there was a, a feeling after that of kind of let, let's make the most of while we're here and be thankful that we're still alive. But there was also some distrust in institutions at that time, because I think they were guiding people to, you know, like, this is what the cause of the plague was, and they were wrong. But it'll be interesting to see if we do have, a, like, a renaissance-like emergence after this, that people maybe think differently about different things based on what we've gone through. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Huh? Anything else, David, that you're seeing out there as friends in the industry or, or things that have caught your eye? You know, I guess maybe the last one, you know, going, you know, uh, right um, back to, you know, where we started, which is uh, market research CPG intersection is um, I continue to see uh, startups, new firms that have some type of technology that is improving something that I don't want to say was broken, but was evident to many could be improved upon. And, you know, some bright person has this wherewithal and knowledge and skill set to come up with some, you know, new solution to make this thing faster, better, more efficient, ultimately um, add higher value. And um, it just seems every day I turn around, I'm either reading about one of those firms, I'm talking to a founder of one of those firms. Um, it's, just, it's just, you know, amazing that, you know, the human spirit, uh, the in innovation that exists, you know, all around us and that these ideas are there and then people, actually take that idea and run with it. I, I admire people who do that. Yeah. And I think as bad as things are right now, this isn't a bad time to do that. I mean, like you take a look at maybe even 20 years ago, if you had, if you and I had an idea for a business, we might've talked about it for a long time, but it might've been very difficult to actually bring to market. And now it, it seems like there's one, there's, there's access to capital, right? Either right. through GoFundMe or all those different types of private equity or angel investor. If it is, it's a legitimate good idea. You can get funding. And also um, uh, there's the ability, there's a lot of free tools out there. You can use Slack for free. You can, you can actually operationalize something. If you have a laptop and, and access to uh, the internet, you can get you can get a lot of information on whatever topic you may want to want to explore on. Like for example, MIT has their whole course curriculum up online. So mm -hmm. if if you wanted to learn something about a certain area, or you know you wanted to maybe uh, you had an idea on on an invention, you know, they have a whole thing on product innovation, and it's a course you could take. Now you don't get course credit, but they have the notes, they have the mm -hmm. lectures, they have the tests, they have all the recommended readings. It's all available for free. So either the information or the capital or the tools, it, it, there, there does seem to be this 
ability to uh, at least venture down that path a little bit easier than maybe it was 20 or 30 years ago. And I think also from a, from a mindset, so many people thinking of that side gig, it's unusual almost not to have a side gig, you know? And that was something that was not something, I, I don't think you and I had a side gig, you know, 20 years ago. It's just, we didn't have time and it wasn't, it wasn't something that w ever came into mind. But I almost think uh, kids coming out of college now are all thinking about, okay, what, this is my day job, but what, what's my side gig, you know? Interesting. Boy, I tell you what, if you're in your you know, mid to late 20s, I haven't met one of them who doesn't have something going on the side. And it may not be real. It may not, you know, it may only exist in their head. But boy, they're, all, they're thinking about it, if not doing it. You're absolutely yeah, right. I worked for a Silicon Valley company, I guess it was 10 years ago. And everyone in that company had a side gig. Some of them had two or three. Wow. And they were like working late. And it was like garage work. They got funding. They're talking to Peter Thiel. They're, you know, it's all this. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's not really happening. Like, out east as much. I don't hear that. And now it's, it's become like very commonplace, like what they were talking about and the side gigs that they had. And, oh, you know what, we decided to can it, but we're starting something new. Those are conversations I hear every day now. Like, I, I, admire, I, I admire people like that because, uh, again, I, I don't know where they get the bandwidth. I mean, I was heads down, you know, however many hours a week we were doing, you know, trying to get our, our day jobs done. I, there was no time to have a night job. So I admire people who can figure this out. One, there's, you have to have the energy and you have to be able to compartmentalize that too, right? You, and uh, you can't do one when you're supposed to be doing the other. And that's quite a challenge, but it seems like a lot of people are doing that, which is exciting because that means there's a lot of innovation going on out there and a lot of new ideas. So that, that's, yeah, uh, to to totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, David, I really want to thank you for your time today. What you're seeing out there is, is really interesting. And I, what I'd like to do is maybe keep an open invite out there for maybe a year from now, we check in, hopefully well past COVID, and then uh, maybe looking to a different type of holiday season. Maybe we could check in then to see what you're seeing out in the industry, what, what you're doing, and, and what you're excited about. That'd be great, Mike. I really enjoyed catching up with yeah. you. Thanks for Have a great day. Thank you.